Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer divide. And today we have a very special episode, the Canadian edition. Uh, and with that, I will turn it over to my Canadian comrade-in-arms, George A. Thanks, George K. As usual, friends, George K. from the vendor side, George A., Chief Information Security Officer, with three of our very lovely friends that we got to hang out with last week at the Canadian Women in Cybersecurity Conference put on by CyberX in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, as we kind of been hyping up for a little, little while, George K. actually came up all the way from the States for it, took the thing by storm. He is much beloved as usual. Uh, Hey, we, we got some views. We got some follows. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. We did manage. So funny story. We managed to bring our friends, uh, Eloise Taylor, uh, Sharuk Rajazi, and Eva. I, for the life of me, I don't know how to say your last name. So please help me out. Um, Tertsaganis. So yeah. So we were wanting to do this live uh, on the spot. We had a minor technical difficulty in that one. George being a dumbass and forgetting this one critical part that would make the shit go into the computer. Lesson learned. We're going to build some redundancy into the program. Yeah. So I was going to go with the PC answer for once, but George was just, you know, blunt as a pillow and it was super cool. So our friends have joined us tonight. So friends, uh, for the sake of this panel, this is really kind of a follow-up opportunity, uh, a little bit of an action after action to really give us a chance to talk about, um, you know, who you are, what you do in the industry, your role in cybersecurity, you know, maybe just for your current organization, or if you've done multiple things as, you know, this career is really cool for trying out different things. And if you can kind of tell us really how you found the conference experience and what you personally got out of it. That's kind of the whole framing of the discussion. And ultimately what we're trying to show is what is the value of having these specific, you know, women in cyber events and and do we actually get value? Do women get value out of these events and does industry get value out of these events? This is kind of what we're trying to prove out of this episode. So I'm going to throw this one out in the air and really whoever wants to take it first, um, actually, you know, I'm staring at you first in the top corner. Eloise, if you want to just talk about who you are and what you do, start off. Cool. Thanks, George. And thank you so much for uh, having me on today. Um, yeah, like you said, Eloise Taylor, I am the Senior Security Program Manager at Ruby. Um, what that means, I manage some pretty cool people and pretty cool stuff. Um, so I have the Cyber Threat Manager underneath me and the Trust and Safety Manager. Um, I don't come from your traditional security background. I come from a background of human resources, a little bit of personal training in there, here and there. I've, I, I've done a lot of things that led me to where I am now. So definitely haven't taken that traditional path. Um, but yeah, that's who I am, what I do. And obviously, full disclosure, everyone in our real life lives, uh, Eloise actually works with me directly in my department. So obviously, Eloise, thank you for hopping aboard. Uh, going up next, Eva, please describe yourself. Hello, I'm excited to be here. It's my first time being a part of a podcast. So thank you for having me. Um, so I'm very much new to the cybersecurity world. Um, I have one more year of school left. So I'm majoring in information technology management at the University of well, formerly known as Ryerson, but now it's called Toronto Metropolitan University. So I'm studying information technology management. So I'm super excited to be almost done and finally breaking into cybersecurity. 
Um, so right now I'm currently interning with a nonprofit called Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative. So they're um, an organization that helps um, combat human trafficking. So I'm working with an amazing team um, of people that have lots of experience and skill sets. So I can't wait to be working with them. I start tomorrow, actually, my official day. So I've been training. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. So I'm super excited to start with them. And I just know I'm going to be learning so much. Um, so, yeah, this is, I think, a really good way to start breaking into cybersecurity. We're going to be using a lot of security tools and open source intelligence. So I'm going to learn a lot. And hopefully that'll set me up um, for other future roles. Very cool. And I, I funny story, I, I think the first time I ever like met you or like knew of your existence was last year, CWC. Yeah. So very cool, full circle. Yes. Um, so switching over to our final guest today, Sharuk, uh, please describe yourself. I know you recently just got a pretty exciting promotion, which I'm very, very pumped for because we get a woman now in an executive role and a woman of color in an executive role. We need to have more of you. Please go on. Thank you. Thank you, George. Uh, my name is Sharuk Hijazi. I'm a director at Key Data Associates, and uh, it's a consulting firm. Um, so I'm, I'm more on the technical cyber side of the house. Um, I started my career actually in consulting. So um, I did a rotational kind of um, way of, of learning about cyber. So I did a little bit of vulnerability management and data protection, cyber strategy, eventually land in an identity and access management. So I currently specialize in uh, advising clients around how they build their identity and access uh, management uh, roadmaps and how they implement the tools to automate some of the pain points they get around identity security. Um, and, nice. and I actually met George for the first time at CWC last year. I believe you were either the facilitator or somehow involved in, in the panel that um, I was part of at CWC uh, last year and we hit it off. So it's nice to reconnect this year. And uh, thank you so much for, for having me in uh, this podcast. Definitely. So I, I, I have to kind of start this off and, and just, you know, going kind of sort of the same order that we began in, um, how did you guys find the conference? Yeah, overall, I, I thought it was great. Um, the space itself was beautiful. It was big, um, just overall positive vibes. I think the, um, you know, we, we had like the cool keynote speeches and the panel discussions and some of the workshops but honestly, my some of my favorite moments and the the best conversations around like best practices and and real talk happens kind of one on one over coffee. Um, nice. I had a really really nice chat. Um, somebody who is a leader in a financial financial institution. Um, I'm really passionate about security awareness training, um, and I had a great conversation with them about like tracking metrics and showing that your program's successful. And even though our orgs were really different in size, it was it was cool to have that chat and and see how actually we dealt with some of the same issues. And that would never have happened without the space to do that. Sweet. And Eva, Sharuk, did you guys kind of find similar takes or were your perspectives different? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sharuk. 
in terms of, I guess, the the purpose for me for general conferences is, is really to connect with the people, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. I, at least for, for me personally, I don't get a whole lot of, you know, education out of, you know, a 15 minute or a 30 minute panel discussion. It, it's more the the purpose of it is just to connect with other fellow cyber um, professionals. And, and the best part about it is also having that many women in cyber in the room because I could tell you in my day to day, I don't get to see that very often, whether we like it or not. And however much our companies do to, to, to bridge that gap, there is still like it's very, very difficult to get 50 50, much less get a majority, getting that majority. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I totally agree with Eloise around the one on one talks for sure. Um, it felt validating. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Um, one of the ladies was talking about how she had a little bit of a struggle at the beginning of her career because she rose through the ranks quickly of being taken seriously because she's young, not because she's women. Like her struggle in cyber was mm. less about sexism and more about ageism. That's interesting. And, and, and to me, that was like, oh, wow. I never thought about it. But then in a way I could relate so much because for, for me, I'm also a young person in cyber. And, and regardless of the title, I feel like my voice is always taken less of, I mean, it, it's still taken seriously, but as less of a seriously as an older person uh, in the room. And, and we often find a lot, we're, we're put in a place where if you're in a room, especially majority men, majority of older men, that adds that layer of complexity for your voice to reach the table, like to be, even if, if you're on the table, she was saying that, that having a seat on the table is not necessarily it. Even if you're having that seat on the table, there are other factors aside from your gender, that age gap. And, and that hit me, that personally stuck with me and, and the way she had to deal with it and, and the way she worked around it was, was really inspiring. So I, I definitely loved having those one-on-one conversations and, and, just connecting with, with people in, in the field. So Eva, it's kind of interesting because you're, I believe you're not technically done your program yet academically, correct? Yeah, I technically have four courses left. So I'm going to take two in the fall, two in the winter, which would be a year. So I'd be done in the spring of 2024. Could you perhaps like relate with some of the same feelings that Sharuk had based on your experiences as well? Or, or have you kind of experienced something different? Yeah, so being obviously in my program, without a doubt, there's more males than females. So I've always kind of been um, used to it, like group projects. I'm usually the only female. It's slowly changing, which is nice to see. But it's like, especially that's just a general like information technology um, program. But specifically in cybersecurity, it's a lot of males. So when I first found out about this whole conference. And when I attended last year, I had the best time ever. And I was so excited to come back this year because you just see it with your eyes in person, you're in a room full of a lot of women and men, of course, but a lot of women that, you know, they're like-minded, they have the same goals as you, they're women, like you can all connect in a different way. Um, So it's so nice to see that with your own eyes and especially being a student, I'm younger. So hearing a lot of, um, panel discussions of 
you know, industry professionals talking about how they broke into cybersecurity. And obviously, when they broke into cybersecurity, there was like, it was very few females at that time. So it's nice to see them talk about their journeys. And it's really empowering and inspiring to hear their stories, because I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too. And it's only getting better. So again, it's just so nice and so inspiring. And that's why I really love going to these type of conferences um, for women, because again, you come across people on LinkedIn, you connect with them, but that's pretty much it. Conferences, it's a great way to all get together in person and really talk to someone face-to-face, share your story with them. So yeah, I, I had the best time. And I think like every year is just going to get better and better. So Sharik, what do you got to say about that? I, I couldn't agree more with Eve about the whole LinkedIn connection. I was going to jump in and say, this was actually one of my favorite part about the conference because I could recognize people from LinkedIn who were like yeah. connected, but we don't really talk because for whatever reason, they're either not locally here or we, we don't cross paths that often, but it was really nice to meet in person with the people that you're connected to virtually and be able to just sit down and have a talk and conferences make it very easy for you to just have a, already a mutual topic to, to connect on. I think Eloise, you, you, you're agreeing. I see you nodding. <laughs> yeah. And I think also on the, the flip side of that, rather than people you've connected with on LinkedIn and then meet face to face, I have that huge group of people who I've met in person at conferences and then we stay connected on LinkedIn, the occasional video calls if we get chance throughout the year. But then as soon as, you know, conference season arrives, then I actually get to see them face to face. And it just kind of reminds me why we connected in the first place and how important those relationships are to maintain outside of that conference circuit, conference season. Yeah, the in-person thing I think is underappreciated, especially uh, Eva, for those who were in school during the pandemic, there's a whole class and generation of up and comers that have missed out on the networking that leads to things like mentorship and sponsorship. So it's good that that's sort of breaking out and we're getting out of our little avatars and our one dimensional selves on, on LinkedIn for sure. I do have a hypothesis about the ageism. I think it's because the people who are in charge now you know, really came up before InfoSec was an official discipline, you know, that we were just like duct taping servers and it was all bailing wire and bubble gum, right? It wasn't like formalized. And then as it has become formalized and that training has become formalized, I think they, there's this pressure to just like keep people pegged down into the same journey that they had. And it's like, well, if you're that old and you haven't been doing this for 20 years, like I had to do before I got X title. And that's just something we're going to have to like churn through on the generational. I think, I think the other factor too, uh, speaking to Shurik's point on this and my experience working with other organizations, you sometimes will see organizations will hire a hotshot male programmer or analyst, and they might be fresh out of college or they might even be done a college program, but they're in their early twenties. So the same like early to mid twenties, like relative yep. age for a couple of you, um, and they seem to just get more natural respect at the table for their opinions than a woman of complete equal qualification otherwise. 100%. 
and that shit trips me out, dude. Because I'm just like, <laughs> but, just garbage. <laughs> but her, her analysis is good. I sat beside her. I watched her do it. She did the arc site thing. She went through carbon black. She got the endpoint results. They're good results. Why are you not listening to her? And you're like, I, I think. I don't know how we solve it at an industry level, but the one theme that you folks have kind of brought up that I think makes the most sense out of events like this, you guys are seeing other women of all ages and demographics getting involved in the game, talking about their stories, and it's being made real. And I think that's probably one of the biggest value points is you guys know that you're not alone. Because it seems to me that based on your individual experiences, you guys get made to feel alone, whether intentional or not, a lot yeah, more for, than I yeah. think is acceptable. Yeah, and I, I think to your point, George, the, the fact that there are women who have already broken this, you know, the glass ceiling, it, it makes it a lot easier for us. I, I saw a lot of trailblazers in, in the conference and to your point, it, it has gotten uh, slightly better because at least now we have that role model. Now we have someone who who can be that mentor. Um, and I think someone mentioned mentorship earlier. I, what I loved about the conference is, at least in, in two of the sessions that I was involved in, there was direct mention of, hey, if you need a mentor, like raise your hand. And then, hey, if you're already in the field for a few years and, and are willing you know, to, to mentor others, please raise your hand. And that connection was immediately um, broken, it, brokered, if, if you will. Um, it, it's nice to be intentional about those connections and, and mentorship and, and providing the space and platform for it. So the conference did a good job, or at least the speakers intentionally did that in, in a few of the sessions. That's great. How, how based on your guys' career experiences, have you folks managed to either find mentors or maintain mentors or what has been your experience with like actually maintaining mentor relationships respectively throughout your individual experiences? And like, Ava, I'll throw that one to you to start since you're kind of still finishing school. So I recently joined um, the Women in Cybersecurity nonprofit organization, if you're familiar with that. And they were actually um, at the conference as well. So I am the vice president of, um, the student chapter at TMU. So we recently started a mentor group. So I'm in a group with three other women and we have a mentor. So again, just being a part of that organization where they give you, they provide you mentors and they provide you that experience of having a mentor, um, a safe space to connect with other girls and again, talk to each other, share your stories about breaking into the field. Again, we all come from different backgrounds, so it's nice to all connect together and talk about cybersecurity or other things like personal things. Um, so it's nice to be a part of that. Um, outside of that, though, I met a woman at last year's conference. Um, her name is Amanda. And we, you know, we talk once in a while, but she always said, you know, if you ever need anything, I'm here for you. And she's older than me. And she's, again, she didn't, have she didn't start her career in cybersecurity start she started in something else she didn't go to school she had a very um very interesting story so and now she i think she won the top 2022 canadian women's cybersecurity award she was that she was a finalist so um yeah she was amazing to talk to and she said if you ever need anything i'm always here and i think just again keeping that relationship with someone if you meet someone and you guys you know flow you guys vibe with each other talk with them once in a while 
I understand we're all busy, we all have things going on, but it's nice to, you know, check in with them once in a while. And also, even if she's a mentor and I'm her mentee, I'll reach out to her. I'll I'll try to give her advice on things too. It's, you know, we work together. So just trying to keep that relationship and also meeting other people, being open to meet other people. Um, I'm a very friendly, talkative person. So I love, you know, expanding my network and talking to people. I love introducing myself. It's a great way to stay connected in the field. Yeah, Louise. Hey, Eva, I love that you said that you also offer things to your mentor as well. I love that two-way relationship. 100, yes. That's that's really cool. Um, I have mentors and I have mentees. Um, I'm kind of in that, that middle ground, I guess. And um, I, found, I found it easier to find my mentors at workplaces as opposed to at conferences. And I think that's because it's hard to have completely open conversations at conferences. You know, as a security mm. professional, we have to hold things back. It's it's the nature of the job. So yeah, my my mentors come from current colleagues, ex-colleagues, and and I maintain that base there. But I did um I, I gathered one person springs to mind as a, a mentee that I have who I met last year at Canadian Women in Cyber. Um, and she's really cool. And when we connect, she she does what, what you do as well, Eva. She's like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, just keep trying, keep being you, keep this enthusiasm, keep the passion. Um, and that's that I got to reconnect with her this year. So so that was wonderful. And just seeing the struggles though that she is having to to get that foot in the door as a female who was born outside of Canada, um, who is smart, intelligent, passionate, driven, but she just can't get her foot in the door at in a cybersecurity role. And man, it's it's heartbreaking. It it really is. Yeah, I think you I think you even mentioned her to me before. We we've talked about her before, and that's. That's one of those weird, this drives me nuts. And and I want to actually get Sharuk's perspective on the mentorship thing because you have broken into that D suite at this point. But you brought up a good point, Eloise, and this is one of the most frustrating things. Every time I go to a cyber event, industry event, whether it's a government event or a commercial sector event, everyone's talking about, oh, there's a massive talent crisis, massive talent crisis. And then you're like, okay, but here's talented women that want jobs. Why doesn't anyone hire them? Bullshit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Bro. Yeah. It, like, it is. Uh, I have gone on the record. It is a problem of our own devising, right? When you're asking for CISSPs for entry level roles or like five years experience for, you know, tier one socket, how are they supposed to get the experience? It's like a ton of stupid gatekeeping. And uh, there are plenty of people knocking on the door, you know? So uh, we just got to let them in and we got to, invest in the training. I think a lot of companies don't want to do the training. So it's like, I just want ready-made workforce. You know, but, but, I'm gonna, but I want to pay you bullshit rates. Don't forget <laughs> bullshit rates, <laughs> maximum EBITDA. Yeah. <laughs> like, <fuck>. yeah. <laughs> now, Sharuk, you have made it, you've broken through, like you are the shining example of like breaking into leadership from an operations role. So this is all like uncommon paths for uh, women traditionally in the industry. How big was the role of a mentor in helping you get there? And do you now provide that mentorship to others as well as part of kind of your, you know, month or or weekly operation? 
Definitely. I personally had a lot more luck finding mentors at the workplace like you, Eloise, uh, than, than in conferences. And unfortunately, when mentors are not in the same geographical location, it gets a little bit harder. So I started my career in the U.S. and then I moved to Canada. So actually, a lot of my mentors who I, you know, had a lot of fun with and, you know, learned a lot from, it, it kind of faded out, if I'm being completely honest. But as I mm. moved to Canada, I picked, uh, you know, vibed with other folks in Canada and, and picked up on other mentor rela- uh, mentorship uh, relationships. And, and, and that helped a lot just from work, from um, mutual connections and, and so forth. I, to your point, George, I do mentor other uh, folks as well. And, and it's a lot harder for those who are just fresh from college to break in um, because of all these like crazy three-year experience, all the entry-level positions I see on LinkedIn has a minimum of three to five years of experiences. And I'm like, how does that add up? Like how, how do we, it, and I think some of that, to be honest with you, is just a miss on HR, to be honest. It, it's yeah, bingo. a lot of times a copy paste job yeah. or just a, a, a template that's used for all entry level jobs. When in reality, and I've seen in the past, like jobs at places I've worked at where it, it said entry and it said, you know, three years of experience and I called it out said, hey, let's remove that. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, as the person who's hiring, I don't want that as, as a prerequisite. But, you know, it, it's getting I, I've that I've talked extra- to CISOs who've also taken out the the actual bachelor's degree required. They're like, if you've just been hacking for 20 years on stuff, like, you've got the skills that I need. You oh, know, so. Dude, you know what's the craziest Keska fuck ever is, like, I've looked at some roles sometimes, and I'm like, these are roles that I'm being asked to hire for. And I'm like, I don't even qualify for this. And they're like, I'm like why? What, who, what technical writer fucking wrote this? Like, this is a thing that drives me nuts, man. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. Sugar, about leaders having to work actively with HR because yeah, they don't know. They just sort of take copy paste from either a template or something. And you just got to go and lobby for what you want. And I, and I see both points. Like I, I get it. Like the person who's hiring, like on the, on the operations or the management side is not really available to write mm. the job descriptions. They rely on HR to do it. And I totally sympathize with HR because they're not technical folks. They're not going to know what exactly you're looking for. So there has to be just better communication between the two. And it, it's, it's on both teams to, to sit down on a line on the actual requirements before it goes live. And, it, at the end of the day, it, it really helps to get those in-person connections at conferences like CWC to just get the word out. Like if you're looking and you just raise your hand to say, hey, I'm a new. Actually, someone literally did it in one of the sessions uh, uh, that was hosted by, by Microsoft, like a, a lady from she might have been from TMU as well, Eva. Uh, she just raised her hand and said, I don't know about the rest of you folks, but as a new graduate, I find it really difficult to relate to what you're talking about because mm. for me, I'm struggling to get, even get into the field. And, and as part of just her raising her hand and talking about her experiences, just in one room, she got three ladies coming up to her after the, the talk and say, hey, we're, we're looking like, let's connect. Here's my, my LinkedIn. 
I think there's a, an opportunity for you there. And, and that's one of the benefits of, of being at those conferences, as long as you speak up. But it takes that courage and that extra effort to, to, to do. But on the hiring side, how important, because I personally benefit from this. When I transitioned from the Army and trying to get into the industry in 2016, I had no qualified cybersecurity experience, barely any programming, all self-taught. Somebody took a shot on me. Somebody took a shot on just like, well, you're a critical thinking individual and people seem to like you enough. Let's give you a chance. How important do you think it is for us if we're going to really get gender parity in terms of the composition of our workforce to, to give just a minimum baseline of qualification or even not even none, just like just a set of questions be like, can you objectively solve a problem and just give people a shot? Do you think we have to kind of lower I don't want to say lower the bar, but kind of eliminate the technical requirements and just focus more on the people and actually like human or what's the word I'm looking for, like personify the actual positions we're looking for. Do you think that would benefit women more directly and help kind of break the barriers to entry? I'm going to chime in on this because even to land an internship or co-op position for students is so hard. I was trying to find a summer internship and it was the hardest thing. I was applying to at probably at least 100 places. I got a few interviews, which that's great to begin with, to even hear back from someone. But it's so crazy. Like they have, they have crazy expectations for a four-month you know, position, and it shouldn't be that serious. They should want to see people's you know, passion and willingness to learn instead of all the other technical things. And it's, it's, the competition is crazy, but it really just takes one company to see your potential and give you that one chance. And then hopefully from there, it'll be easy, but just getting your foot in the door is so hard. Yeah. It sounds like we got the subject for next year's panel, which is security and HR, like for real, let's solve this thing. But that, that kind of brings me to another important point from the weekend. And I think in general for this topic, how important is the role of male allyship an allyship from senior females who have already made it and are willing to put their necks out for you. I guess I can jump in here. Um, on, on the first question, George, around just how we can get the initial like ad- advantage of um, focusing on critical thinking and, and um, other general requirements, that, that initial push to get people in their foot in the door – I think that's actually raising the bar as opposed to lowering it, because then you're taking the emphasis away from technical details that are often memorized and focused more on the actual like processing or let, let me think about your, your thought process, your, your meth- methodology of, of going through an issue and so forth. That has proven, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was re- I read it a while back and, and it talked about how interviews that are based less on technical questions and more on the critical processing or critical thinking questions yield much better results. And to your point, George, it does level up the, the, the playing field for those entry positions to get that initial push to get you uh, through the doors. I would love if there's like some sort of interview training to be honest with you, because I've been in a position where I'm interviewing, but I don't think if I'm being quite honest, I don't think I ever got any proper training. And, and it's 
have been in that position in different organizations, like big, large organizations, the size of, you know, like global to small mm. niche local Toronto shops. And in all of them, I think there was the general training around like, you know, diversity and inclusion. And there was like, there was a lot of great training. I don't think I've personally been through, and there might have been, I'm not going to put the onus on the organizations. Maybe I need to look harder, but it's not that accessible is what I'm trying to say. If it was there, mm-hmm. it was definitely not made obvious to me. Um, and, and have that, that tr- sort of, here's how we should make interviews more focused on, on, on the, the person, as you said, as opposed to, you know, that specific technical field. And, and I'm not saying we should completely not ask technical questions. I think there's definitely merit depending on the position, like, especially if you're looking at a more advanced level, but for the entry level, it's hard to see a lot of the technical questions playing a major role. Maybe there'll be 10% of your interview questions. Um, or have have a lower weight in, in the process. So that's on the first side. On the second around, sorry, I kind of missed the trail. On, uh, on, al- on allyship. Allyship, for sure. I mean, I, I'll say it from, from my side, I definitely would not be where I am today without someone taking that, like f- putting their faith in, in, in my potential. Uh, because I definitely did not check all the boxes for all the you know positions that that I've been promoted to a hundred percent. It took someone. That, that's it. Ally. That's potential. It's mm-hmm. it's seeing potential, not just like waiting for you to achieve you know astronomical levels of accomplishment. You have to do everything before you get to the next gate. I like that. One hundred percent. Yeah, and and I could see that important role being op- the opening for for a lot of folks who who just need someone to, to take a shot at, at, at giving them that opportunity. Eloise, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say kind of the taking a shot has come up a few times now. And I feel like we all have a, you know, a story that is uh, someone, someone gave, gave us a go. That, that's my story too. And it was somebody who I, who I consider a, a male ally. Um, and you know allyship i i feel is really important um seeing you know all genders at the conference was awesome and you know surely as as a female i like i want to ask a guy like surely you want to break down the stereotypes like you don't want to be do you want to be known as someone who's in a male-dominated industry like surely not i don't know i uh I had a neighbor who works in tech ask me recently if if I if I grew up into boy things because I'm into cybersecurity. Like, really? What? I know. <laughs> I was, uh, and I, I think it was meant with good intention, but like surely everybody, all of us want to break down that stereotype. And and I think that's where good allies are important for promoting diversity at all levels. Sharukesh, you got thoughts? Just one quick thought. Yeah, it's sorry. I know I'm not, I'm not hogging over oh. this, but I, I love what you just said. And I think it reminded me of sponsors. I, there you I go. didn't mm-hmm. realize the difference between mentors versus sponsors until I took some, some training back um, at one of the companies in, in the US. And it was really eye opening for me to, to see because 
I always focused on, oh, I have to find that mentor to, to go up the ranks and be able to, to learn from other people's, you know, uh, career paths. But without that sponsor, because think I think Ally is essentially your sponsor, but with a power. That's really a, spo- a sponsor essentially is someone who has got a seat on the table and is able to vouch for you. So even if you got just that potential, they're the one with the power to say, I know she got the talent and their voice is going to be heard in that room. So here's like kind of one, my final question of like the technical part of this session, quote unquote, do you think then at a women in cyber type event or some other type, just focusing on women in STEM, women in cyber type uh, event going on, there should be some specific training around not only how to interview for a job, but how to actually negotiate for better salaries. Because I think we talk about let's give women better salaries. No one ever wants to take the time to actually coach women how to actually build that leverage and how to get into that discussion. What do you guys – and Ava, to turn to you for someone trying to get into the industry, you have to set the tone and benchmark your own rates. Has anyone given you any help on doing that? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) um so i feel like that would be really good to incorporate in you know these women in tech events um to have you know a workshop where it's one-on-one with a professional and you're getting that training on how to negotiate you know better pay how to interview because it, it is different than interviewing with a guy totally you can't compare the two um so yeah that would be beneficial and it should be um at every event yeah, I'm part of another women in cyber community and one of our board advisors who is, you know, like head of information governance at a global bank, even she was saying her professional network was important because when she was negotiating her next role, she needed to understand what is the salary range. Like it was a otherwise a black box to her because she was taking on additional responsibilities that were not quite within the, the title range. So it was like new stuff. So she had to be able to go to peers and say like, what is the range for this? What are you literally like, what are you being paid for this so that she could have, because if you don't have the information, it makes it extremely difficult to, to come to the table with any kind of power. Sharuk, Eloise, what are you guys' thoughts on this? How have you guys found your, I guess, experiences trying to negotiate salaries or getting to that part of the conversation? I'll jump in. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I feel like there is a lot of, you're right, even as someone who is a couple of years ahead in their career than, than Ava, I still feel like I need somebody to say, hey, say this, don't say this. I don't think it should just be for our friends who are coming out of school. I think that conversation mm. should continue for everybody. And there just needs to be more transparency. Um, that's a bigger issue. Transparency, the, the lack of transparency is is something that that's an issue. And just just throw a hiring range on the job description. Give us an idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very encouraged by recent legislation in California and New York that is forcing yeah, that issue in the U.S. That, yeah, yeah, they they they're in law, and as the biggest employers, it sort of forces if you're hiring in New York and you're hiring in other states, it is forcing downward pressure that they have to come out with that in in all places. But I also want to return to mentorship because I think. I've heard it said that there's also, I mean, a lot of people seek out different mentors. Like internally, you may have a mentor that's working with you. Others, maybe outside of your profession that are going to talk to you about, 
this sort of thing, the salary range or how to talk, even help you negotiate interpersonal relations, right? Because maybe they have an, a more objective view because they're not in the same hot seat that you are. So, I mean, I think that's, I think the mentorship discussion gets uh, drawn into like a one-to-one, but you know, there, you can have different teachers for different things. Yeah. I think like teaching people how to actually network for business, because there's an art to it. Um, and we talk about it quite a bit on our show, but like where I wish we had more time for it. Maybe if we do this again on another episode, a challenge that I think that women particularly face when trying to network and build those like relationships out is dealing with folks who are, we'll say bad faith players where like their interest in you is not purely business, like reading between the lines of what I'm saying. And gross. I think that that is a, it's, it's gross, but dude, it's just so common. I, I know. I hate it. I was, I hate it's, it. Uh, but it's something that like, uh, it has to be addressed. It has to be called out. If, and if you're a dude and you see your buddy doing it, or you know that, that that's their jam, don't laugh about it. It's not funny anymore, but this is like a problem where it's like, you could tell women, go network, go make friends, go blah, blah, blah. But it's like, if they put themselves out there, it's kind of a minefield for what are they going to get out of it? Right. Um, one, just to circle back on the question around how do you know to how to negotiate? Personally, it helped me to go through some of the apps. And I was trying to scroll through my phone quickly while you guys are talking to remember the names of the apps. But there's like uh, the obvious one, Glassdoor. Um, mm-hmm. There is um, also Fishbowl and Blind. So I've used all three in the past and that helped me a lot get they for those who are listening and don't know what these are they're essentially anonymous uh, platforms to allow people to post things about their their employer and usually they're meant or geared towards sharing reviews like how good and bad is it in the workplace what is the salary range for this position so it's perfectly normal on these platforms to say hey i'm interviewing for this this position in this area what is the range of uh, pay in, in that field? And we're back with the brass tax portion of the show. So uh, I'm going to put it to our panel here to offer some advice around going to conferences. How do you get the most out of the in-person conference experience? Um, Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, So I think especially, you know, being a student still, I always try to message other students to attend um, events. Um, That's the best way to connect with people. And a lot of the time um, they're very nervous because they don't, they don't know anyone. And I always tell them, that's mm-hmm. fine. You're going to meet people. Last year, I went all by myself. I didn't have anyone to come with, but I made friends there. So, you know, sometimes it can be nerve wracking, but really just put yourself out there, be confident, introduce yourself, tell people your story and people will hear and then they're going to share their stories. And that's how you meet people. That's how you, you know, sit at a table, say, hi, can I sit here? You know, just that's the best way to put yourself out there and meet people. Um, don't be shy. Be confident, be you, and, you know, everything will fall into place. I think for me, being intentional is really important. So my advice would be be intentional. Write down what do you want to get out of this. If you want to make three new friends, 
if you want to make three new connections, if it's for your business leads, you're trying to sell something, you have a company, just be intentional about what is it that you want to get out of this conference so that you can see it come true. I like that. <laughs> I think for me, it's um, along along similar lines. Um, just just plan before you go to the schedule, uh, before you go to the conference. Take a look at the schedule. See what's on. See what tracks are running. If things are clashing, know where you want to be. There's often multiple tracks, multiple conversations happening. So have a bit of a plan. Know where you want to be. And I like what Eva said, like, don't be afraid to tell your story. Um, I had some, some, some cool chats at, at CWC with people who just sat down at lunch and just started talking. Um, and, and that was great. So yeah, plan, be open, be honest, put yourself in vulnerable situations and, and have some, have some good conversations, have fun. Well, thank That's God awesome. for someone mentioning it. Uh, yeah. Have fun. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, I will say as the as the outsider who is visiting, I was telling George, I was telling anyone who would listen, really, is that the best part for me was that it was a, a women in cybersecurity conference. And at no point were the topics and tracks focused on being a woman in cyber, right? It was like, we are going to have a bunch of badass women experts in their field talk about. So like, if you were looking at the topic list, that could have been at any cybersecurity conference. It was not like, it wasn't like so in your face and it felt less cloying than some other events I've been to. And it just felt like that was the ultimate way to, to legitimize um, the, the equity it was just, here it is. This is what it is. Mm. Thanks you CyberX pulling off another big win this year. Yeah. I wish there was like a heart button or like a clap button. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, Jordan. that's a, very cool point and very important. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time on a Sunday evening to to chat with us. Yeah, you guys all rock. I, um, you know, it's nice to connect with folks like you, and I consider you guys all, you know, personal friends as well. So, being as I'm a cyber exec in Canada. Obviously, you guys know it goes without saying. If ever you need help, get a hold of me. Get a hold of George. George is like super well connected and popular. I don't know if you've seen this guy, but <laughs> please consider us allies. Please tell your friends and uh, folks who are listening. Please tune in because it's the kind of value that we will like to enjoy bringing you guys. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. That's it for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a rating or a review and share on all your socials. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Monday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.